You're listening to the Baptist Bulletin Podcast, a program dedicated to advocating for a biblical worldview by encouraging Christian growth and ministry from a biblical perspective. Well, I'd like to welcome you to another edition of the Baptist Bulletin Podcast. I am thrilled to be here in Sawyer, Michigan with my friend Newt Larson, who pastored for many years in Akron, Ohio, and now serves uh, coaching and mentoring and training younger pastors And he is going to be our keynote speaker for the GRBC National Conference, which will be June 28th through July 1st in Schaumburg, Illinois. Newt, it's so good to be with you. Mike, thank you for the privilege. Nice to talk about church and Christ and whatever you want to talk about. Awesome. This is uh, really a privilege, and I know that you have impacted many pastors and churches in our fellowship, so we are grateful to have you come and, and share the word with us in June. You served for many years at the chapel, which is a church in uh, Akron, Ohio. And I know that you know as well as, as I do that we have a lot of GRBC churches in the state of Ohio, even in the Cleveland, Akron area. If you could give us a brief overview of your years at the chapel and how God blessed and worked and, and you saw that ministry expand by the power of the word. It was good. Uh, I went with shaking a little bit fear uh, from a Grace Brethren Church in Ashland, Ohio, where I'd been 15 years. And I followed a wonderful pastor who was the second pastor. His father was the founder. So, you know, there were some people behind the scenes that compared me to him. And I, you, you know, comparisons aren't good, but it was wonderful. I had a honeymoon with the board and, uh, the church grew and had a good community influence. That was a big part of our mission, I think, because the church was right downtown, right next to the university, had a good influence on other people and churches and even the city. Got into some racial reconciliation things and uh, did a lot with with community, with basketball, with the pulpit and with uh, staff. So I'm very grateful. It was good. Awesome. What year did you retire from the chapel? I always hesitate because I'm not sure. I think it was 2008. Sometimes I say nine, but it's uh, for 12 years now almost I've been coaching pastors. And that's from Michigan here. I had to leave just for the good of the new pastor and for my own emotional good because I wouldn't want to hear, don't you think he should have done this? Mm, That's very wise. (laughs) So here in Michigan, by Zoom and by visits, been coaching pastors. And that's what you're doing right now. You you lead a ministry that I think is a much needed ministry for pastors. Uh, so many of us, myself included, did not get this when we were very young men, uh, where you mentor, some people call it coaching, uh, you counsel pastors. Tell us a little bit about that, what you're doing now. In fact, you just showed me your office. You show me you know, where you're helping young men with their preaching and their leading in their churches. Uh, tell us about uh, Pastorpedia, the ministry you lead. Well, it's, re- it's really two separate things. A lot of my work is simply one-on-one with the pastor. I ask the board approves it. They pay me a little bit. Uh, some of them send me their sermon outline every Tuesday, and I give thoughts. Uh, I always evaluate their sermons. Mike, you can't believe how many guys have told me nobody ever critiqued my sermon, mm-hmm. except if you call nice job or right. why didn't you say this, a critique. But I told a guy the other day, this is 
It's very superficial. You know, you never smile. <laughs> he said, nobody ever told me that. He, he just looked mean the whole sermon. You got to get, you got to be nice. You know, he's a nice man, but he, Pastorpedia is a monthly separate thing, which I do, which is notes and a video on a different subject every month. And I do that with two other pastors. That goes, Outreach Magazine uses it regularly and goes to uh, thousands of pastors just to make them think. And so I love what I do. I'm just using my experience and I'm so grateful for God's goodness in my experience. So with that said, we were talking a little bit about this a few minutes ago, and you mentioned that you believe it's harder today to pastor. And most of our audience would be pastors, pastors' wives, or church leaders. Why would you say that? What makes it more I do. I've been doing this full-time 55 years. I do about a 40-hour week now of coaching and preaching, but... I think it's the hardest time. Now, we had giant numbers at the chapel in glory years and in four decades when it was easier. I mean, most Christians, I, I, I don't know, I'm exaggerating, maybe. Most of them went to church. Now people go one out of five or two out of five and say they go every week. They're not lying. They just think they do. Or Yeah, the reasons I list are kind of funny. You're welcome to laugh. covid makes it very hard. Sure. Churches are divided and people don't know what to do. Congress, if you can use that word to mean all politicians, <laughs> the presidents, and, you know, they used to argue but sit and have coffee. Now they throw coffee at each other, I think. Third would be the, the whole social communication. People say stuff on, on, on Facebook and on their links that they think God can't read computer stuff, <laughs> I think. And the fourth one would be just the whole issue of Christians can be pretty shallow about church and not care how they are faithful. So I, I do think it's harder. I, I don't mean you give up. I just mean you, you attack it certain other ways and you trust God more and you work harder, but it's hard. Sure. Are a lot of the men you're mentoring and coaching facing issues like division in their church over things like masks or division in their church over things like politics. You got one side who wishes you would campaign for a particular candidate in your sermons. And then another side uh, taking the COVID issue saying, uh, look, there should be no masks in this church. You shouldn't force anybody to wear them. And then the other side saying, I don't want to see anybody in this church maskless. Are you dealing with that quite a bit? Oh, yeah. And I don't really know the answer. I just yeah. say don't take surveys because once they give you their opinion, they want you to do it. Right. But it's a leadership thing. And, yeah, I preached recently in a church where, uh, of course, half the people were there. And I understand that. But the half that were there, half of them were in the back with masks and arms folded. And the other half were up front hugging each other. And. Obviously, that's divisive by itself. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah, I'm dealing with that quite a bit. Uh, in fact, this is not hyperbole here, but weekly on the phone with pastors who are distraught about division in their church. Some say he's not doing enough. Some say he's doing too much. Families leaving on either side of the issue. And it's it's sad. It's it really very unfortunate. Is. It really is. I do think we got to talk with each other about it, exchange ideas. I think 
coaching now is much more in vogue. There's some national coaches that do wonderful articles and podcasts. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm with friends and 20 people at a time, but I do understand church. It's all I know. And I do think it's healthy to bounce things off someone. Well, fewer and fewer men I'm noticing in pastoral ministry are finishing well. And you've been in ministry quite a while, and you're probably seeing this trend. Two things that I'm seeing, one is fewer and fewer men going into pastoral ministry and fewer and fewer finishing well. This is a loaded question. There's no simple answer to it. But could you summarize what you see as some of the factors to that? Well, churches can be hard on pastors. Mm -hmm. The ones that are listening to something like this probably are working hard at it if they're lay leaders and they want to be Mm -hmm. working as a team and good to their coach, their pastor. Um, Obviously, it's harder because times are harder and and there's so much temptation. Mostly it's money and women or maybe sometimes personal ego or pride. But, I mean, that's always involved. I do think... Guys in the in the pulpit have to have friends who are uh, accountable to them and they to them. Mm-hmm. In some churches, they can be in the church. Often, it has to be another pastor or two. I had a four men that I was accountable to for 26 years, 25 of those years, and nobody ever knew who they were or saw us meeting, and they didn't say hello to me on Sundays. They didn't. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like. It was a deal. We we were good to each other and hard on each other. I, I think, obviously, in marriage, you've got to have some measure of accountability and honesty, but I think you need somebody outside the marriage, too. Mm-hmm. But it's harder because it's easier to punt. It's easier to quit. It's easier to flunk. Um, people uh, think pastors walk on water and if we start believing that we're in trouble. Amen. One of the things to those listening to, to follow up on what Newt just said, the GRBC has now an arm of our ministry that we call pastoral soul care. So pastors and wives listening to this and more of this will be unveiled at the national conference. Uh, you're hurting, you're discouraged. There might be some difficult issues you're going through. I would encourage you to reach out to us. This is one of the benefits of being a part of our fellowship is that you have um, key people regionally located around North America who'd be willing to help you and encourage you in a non-condemning, non-judgmental, yet very biblical way uh, to give you hope and encouragement as you go through some difficult times in ministry. And along these lines, talking about our conference, again, we're thrilled to have you come. We're grateful for that and been praying for you. Thank you. Uh, the theme this year is the Spirit Unleashed. Our emphasis is going to be the Holy Spirit's work in the life of a believer and the local church. So why do you think we as cessationists, those listening, you know, what is that word? It simply means that uh, we would believe the apostolic sign gift ceased with a completed canon of scripture. It's the simplest explanation of that. Why do we not talk about the Holy Spirit a lot? You just don't see a lot of emphasis on it. I don't know of many conferences, the major conferences that talk about this. Well, it is spooky. And and it's spooky because there's a guy on TV that calls him the Holy Ghost. And and so we, I think we shy away because of some of the mistakes or 
bad emphases that some have made, at least I do. And we want to feature Christ and have Christ be the center. And we love the verse in John. I think it's one that I'm assigned for this conference, that the, that the Holy Spirit always features Christ and promotes Christ. And that's that's good. That's important. But the personal issue of surrender and obedience are also about the Spirit, not just Christ. So I think the the uh, extremes in the past and the people on TV that blew away the COVID and by the Holy Spirit and those things, they scare us about talking about it. Mm -hmm. And I understand that. How would you explain to another believer, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 5.18? Yeah, I, I, and I'm sure I'll try to define it at the at the conference. And uh, I think it's not a matter of eight ounces versus 16. I think it's every area of your life is in obedience to him and under his uh, spiritual control. But his spirit works with our spirit. And it's not a spooky thing that sometimes you're in the spirit. And I understand the verses in the Bible about that. As soon as I said that in the spirit. But at the same time, being filled means he's Lord of your love life. He's Lord of your marriage, of your pulpit, of meeting with the board and, mm -hmm. or with that member that's mad at you. It, it's every area of life, every slice of the pie. It was Bill Clinton, our president, who said, I compartmentalized my faith, mm -hmm. meaning it was one slice of the pie and the other slices, well, sure whatever you wish, perhaps. So I think filling is obedience in every area of life. That's good. And Lord willing, we'll see that uh, unpacked with the speakers at the conference this year. And, and our prayer is you might learn some new things at the conference. Those of you who went to college, went to seminary, you may not learn something new, but you're going to be reminded of something essential. The third person of the Trinitarian Godhead who lives inside of you and is at work in your life. Oh, Mike, I have two new things that I'm going to bring up that... Sure. No. Just, <laughs> right. Yeah, I I need what the scripture says that's old, just like everybody, and, and especially yeah. how it applies in daily life. I hope I can emphasize that. Sure, sure. Newt, we have a lot of uh, younger pastors. By younger, I'll, I'll throw out the category 40 and below, 40 and younger. Pastors. Just kids, a bunch of kids. A lot of kids, right. <laughs> uh, so it, it, it's interesting that I say that at this time of life, but life goes by <laughs> quickly. What what encouragement or counsel would you give to younger pastors, as you mentioned earlier, that this is uh, probably the most difficult time in your lifetime for pastors? What, what kind of encouragement would you give to them with all of the coaching and mentoring that you do of pastors, and you have a platform here to encourage many, uh, what counsel would you give to them? You know, I, in Marathon Magazine, I used to get that, always wanted to run one. I ran half marathons, and so I'm not a good runner. But there was a survey taken, What? Uh, how do you run a whole marathon, 26 miles, a little more for the queen? And the three things that came out were that kept them going, water, encouragement of others, and the fact that there's a finish line. And without being silly about it, I think those three things are important. Water 
That would be the Holy Spirit. That would be the Word of God. And you got to be drinking it yourself mm -hmm. and not just trying to give it out on Sunday. And everybody knows if you don't keep drinking it yourself, it's going to get to you. Water. The second one is encouragement of others. Even the silly thing of when, when I ran a little bit, the people yelling, you can do it. Mm -hmm. Keep going. That helps. You got to have people in your life that encourage you. And I think it ought to be your board. I think it ought to be good friends and some really good friends that you can gripe to and cry with. So encouragement of others. Some pastors don't have that. Yeah, no doubt. And the third thing that came out in the survey was I know there's a finish line. <laughs> there's an end of the week, but there's also an end of your life and there's an end of your ministry and you want to finish well. So I'd say part of it is to drink the water yourself. Make sure you're into the word and uh, you're obeying it. Everybody knows, I know, if I preach something and I think that's not real in my life, I feel guilty and I feel funny. Mm -hmm. And you get through it and you can start pretending all the time. Sure, sure. The second thing, drinking that water and then having good friends and a good relationship with your board and your staff, that's hard work. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, knowing there's a finish line. That's good. I think um, looking at life and looking at the life of a pastor in particular, and even those who teach who are listening to this as well, you mentioned, and I think it's important for church members to know this, you mentioned that you evaluate the preaching of other pastors. This was instrumental in helping me as a young pastor. Uh, sitting down with my staff every week, every Tuesday morning, I gave them a grid and it wasn't always comfortable. It was painful at times. And I thought to myself, man, I thought I hit a home run Sunday and I realized it was a complete dud after it was evaluated. How would you explain or how would you go about uh, defining what a good sermon is? Uh, just the major characteristics of that. I'm giving you a tough question here and I apologize for that, but as someone who evaluates sermons, this is for church members and pastors. What would you say is a is is a good, fruitful sermon? Well, the first thing is you end on time. <laughs> <laughs> now that comes up somewhere though. And first that it's biblical. Mm -hmm. Where did you get that? Haddon Robinson's famous question, where did you get that? I do ask that a lot. Where did you get that? Well, I made it up. Well, okay, but first that it's biblical, but I like to characterize it in three hearts. The heart of God. Is this what he meant when he wrote it? Mm -hmm. I heard a sermon once, honest, in Genesis 1-1. Do you know the verse, Mike? In the beginning, you God probably, created the heavens. <laughs> and the sermon was, you too should be creative. Oh, come on. <laughs> Go out and try with it anyway. I heard a sermon once on the donkey that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on. You should be anchored. You should be available. And there was another A to it. Come on. <laughs> so biblical, but second heart is your heart. Do you mean it? Do you live it? And the second heart of preaching after God's heart is your heart. Let's see your passion. Mm -hmm. I evaluated one sermon once and said to the guy, that was okay. He said, what did you think of it? I said, it was okay. I was trying to get him to be mad at me. Where was your passion? It didn't sound like you meant it. 
The third heart is the listener's heart. That's the hardest one. How do you get it into their heart so they don't go away saying that was good, but rather sure. I want to do that. Sure. So I, those are the three areas that I evaluate. Did you get it from the Bible? Is it really what that text meant? Does it score with you? I mean, is it obviously you mean this? Some guys preach without passion. Mm -hmm. Passion doesn't mean you yell, but it means you mean it. And third, how do you give application suggestions and those things? Those are, I mean, that's too simple, but that's that's where I head. That's the heart of our association and the heart of our national conference is solid biblical expositional preaching where the point of the text is the point of the sermon. And I'm grateful that we get testimony after testimony of people who say what we hear at this conference is biblical preaching. Our soul has been well fed, and we look forward to that. Newt, is there are there any couple prayer requests that we could be praying for you about uh, that God's working in your life that myself and the listeners could be praying for you? I got a new paddleboard for my birthday, and I want to do it well. I love paddleboarding. <laughs> and what birthday was this? Number eighty. Oh, yeah, I'm so grateful. Praise God. Uh, seriously, I do ask for wisdom. I spend a lot of my day talking to pastors and answering questions and trying to give suggestions. So wisdom and faithfulness, mm -hmm. I would say, yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to do this well at Schomburg. Is that yeah. where we're going to be? That's where we're going to be. Yes, sir. And uh, so pray for that. I want to not try to show off. I want to try to help pastors and be strong in the Bible. So wisdom and and this assignment would be important to me. Awesome. We'll be sure to pray for those things, brother. Thank you so much, Newt, for being with us. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Baptist Bulletin podcast. We trust that uh, you will be able to, by God's grace and according to God's will, attend our national conference we pray you'd be able to look into that, and we pray that it would be a great blessing to you. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and your family richly and your church richly for his glory. Thank you for listening to the Baptist Bulletin Podcast. The regular Baptist network of ministries exists to make disciples through healthy local churches. If you like this podcast, subscribe to your podcast platform of choice. You can find out more about our ministries at garbc.org and follow Regular Baptist Ministries on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.